So this is a paper about wage inequality and immigration in the UK and the US. So what I do is just to try to assess whether there is any sort of uh, uh, relationship between the increasing share of immigrants that has been characterized in both the UK and the US and increasing level of wage inequality that similarly has been characterized in the UK and the US. Because this is a quite technical paper, I first would like to give you a little bit of terminology that I will be using throughout so that uh, we are sure that, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you can follow me. So, first of all, immigrants, I mean, it's a pretty conventional definition. I will be defining immigrants as someone who was born outside the country, so therefore workers who were born outside the UK and outside the US. And because this is a paper about wage inequality, for those of you who are not familiar with this sort of literature, wage inequality is usually defined using statistical measure of dispersion of, in this case I use hourly wage, but it could be weekly wages or um, annual wages. And then the statistical measure of dispersion are variance, standard deviation, difference in the percentile that are most common measure of wage inequality. And the other important uh, um, key element to, to know is that wage inequality usually can be decomposed into components. So in, in order to understand what are the causes and sources of wage inequality, we can look at the between-group wage inequality, which is generally the wage inequality which is due to the observable skills. In this case, I will refer to education and experience mainly, but it can be anything that you put in your model. And the other part, the other component can be the within-group or residual wage inequality. So I will refer to the within-group and the residual interchangeably during this presentation. And generally, the within-group or the residual is considered to be the wage dispersion among workers with the same level of education and experience. And also, this is the component that is considered to be explained by the unobservable skills, where the unobservable skills can be considered anything that is not captured by the education and experience. Therefore, your effort, personal ability, or particular skills can be <coughs> So just a little bit uh, more about the residual, because this is one of the key elements, particularly if you are uh, not so familiar with you know, um, econometric or this sort of thing. So how do we get the residual? Uh, there are two simple steps. The first one is to regress the hourly wage on some controls. In this case, would be again education and experience, many uh, and other variables as well. If we want to analyze what is the effect of those variables, what are the, um, the causes of those variables on the wage, and then whatever remains is represents the residual, which is the variation that remains after you control for education and experience or any other variables that you put in your model. Okay? So please do ask question if there is anything unclear because you know this is generally a quite controversial paper, so I do expect any sort of question. So what is the outline of this talk then? We, I'm going to start with the motivation, what are the salastic facts behind my research and then I'm going to tell you a little bit more about where does my research fit in the existing literature, what is the econometric methodology. I'm not going to go too much into details, but again, if you have questions, please do ask. What are the data I use, the results, and also what are the main conclusions that we can draw, particularly in terms of public policy, 
data domain content and uh, relate to the increase of immigration. So first of all, the motivation of this paper is based on three Salasta factors. The first one is the pretty well-known increase of immigration in the UK and the US. Just to give you some figure before I go to the um, analysis, according to the current population survey, which is data that I use for the US, and the labor force survey, it are the data that I use for the UK, in 2008, 14% of the US and 13% of the UK labor force uh, was born abroad. So this is a share for 2008, but of course the, the share of uh, immigrants in the uh, working age population has been increasing over time. The second the fact is the changes in labor force characteristics, particularly during the past 20 to 30 years, in the US mainly, but also in the UK, the labor force has been growing older and more educated, meaning essentially that the share of workers with a high level of education has been increasing, while the share of workers with a low level of education has been decreasing over time. And these, of course, had several consequences on the um, labor market and also on the uh, wages and on wage inequality as well. And then we refer to this as to the composition effect. Now, one of the reasons why immigration has attracted again a lot of attention recently is due not only of its size but also for its composition. In fact, those changes in the labor force characteristic only refers to migrants. And so we are well aware that migrants are nowadays pretty different from their previous counterparts in several ways. First of all, they are different in the level of education. Migrants are now younger and more educated, not only with respect to the, uh, the previous migrants, but also with respect to natives. And this is particularly true for the UK, and I will show you uh, a table on this. The other important element that uh, characterizes now immigration is that migrants are now coming from many more countries than they used to do in the past. And also, there is more a temporal nature of migration that we have to take into account. So this means that to better understand what are the effects and the impacts of immigration on the receiving country and the labor force of the receiving country, we have to jointly consider all those aspects <coughs> that characterize the new immigration. The third reason, the third salas, the fact behind my research is the increase in wage inequality. Wage inequality has been increasing particularly in the UK and the US over the past 20, 30 years, but more or less by the end of the 70s. And the UK and the US are the two countries that are characterized more than any other countries by a high level and increasing level of wage inequality. And more recent fact related to the increase in wage inequality is that a significant share of the overall rise in wage inequality can be attributable to the within group or the residual uh, that is, again, wage dispersion among workers with the same level of education and experience. And to better understand why it could be interesting as well as relevant to investigate whether there is any sort of relationship or causality in between the increasing share of immigrants and increasing level of wage inequality, I think it is important to understand a little bit more why wage inequality matters in an economy. So first of all, the uh, existence and persistence of wage inequality has, of course, several important macroeconomic implications in the country. So first of all, 
wage and wage inequality is an indicator of the level of performance and prosperity of a country, affecting therefore the level and the growth of the GDP. But also, of course, the level of wage inequality is somehow connected and related to the labor market disparity. So the more disparities there are in the labor market, the more likely is that we will find those labor markets characterized by a higher level of wage inequality. And also, inequality in wage usually translates into significant disparity in living standard, as well as increase in family income inequality will reflect in disparities and inequality in consumption, in education, in health, and more in general will affect the increase in poverty among individuals. So that's why it is relevant and it is important to study wage inequality. So when you mean same education, you mean the same years of education or the same degree? Yeah, okay, so in this case, uh, th that is a good point because uh, especially when you are considering, you know, migrants. So in this case, when I say the same education or experience, I will refer to the same level of education. And in this case, the level of education is defined by low, intermediary, and uh, higher, and is essentially, yeah, well, it's the years of education. And those years could have been abroad or... or yes, and so, I mean, this is a um, sort of limitation or, you know, uh, um, an element that we have to be aware, because usually, uh, when we have the data, for example, this is slightly different for the US data because people report directly uh, what is the how many years spent in school. So it's somehow easier to create, you know, a comparable variable. But for the UK, uh, so that could be if the, you, you don't have how many years you spent in school, you have level of education, and then of course this could be that you know migrant has been uh, studying in the receiving countries or in other countries. So yeah could be you know, uh, a point that we have to be aware of, absolutely. So th there is, of course, as you are well aware, an empirical, huge empirical literature investigating the effect of immigration on uh, uh, the labor market, particularly one of the core, core, core concerns relates to the impact of migration on the wages of natives. And then there is, of course, a lot of literature sometimes for a little bit mixed result. But the main uh, result, the main uh, evidence that we refer to is essentially, uh, essentially the paper of Ottaviano and Perry for the US and Marconda Manning and Wordsworth for the UK. And essentially what they prove is that there is no negative effect associated with increasing level of immigration. So in other words, there is lack of negative effect on the wages of native due to the increased level of uh, immigrants. Actually, what they found is that increasing share, uh, increasing the share of immigrants <coughs> in the labor market has some benefits in terms of increasing the positive, uh, positively increasing the wages of natives. And one important key point that we have to uh, bear in mind: what is the um, the main uh, assumption and the main key, the key element behind this finding of the lack of any negative effect is essentially due to the fact that immigrants and natives do not substitute to each other, do not um, take the same job. So this is a key element uh, that we have to be aware of to understand what are the, effect, the impact of immigration on the wages of natives. 
So what is missing then? What is the sort of gap that I'm trying to fill in this huge literature? So first of all, the idea is to try to understand what is the impact of migration on wage inequality, not only on the wage. And the immigration literature so far has estimated the effect of immigration looking at the between group component, which is essentially the education and experience, or more in general, the human capital variables. So less attention has been devoted to the impact of immigration on the within group or the residual that, as I said before, represents the main explanation, represents the bulk of the increase in wage inequality. Uh, the only exception is a paper of David Card of 2009 that he actually looks at the effect of immigration on the within group and he found that there is very small uh, effects, about 5%. And so what David Card does, looks at uh, 1980, 1990, 2000, 2005, so only four or five years, and he does not take into account in his analysis workers with a low level of education, which I do, so this is, uh, uh, what I do in this paper is something that potentially contributes to what he's been uh, doing by David Card and also comparing this with the UK uh, analysis. So then, just to uh, see what is then the main research question, is try to understand whether increasing immigration contributed along with the skill bias, technological change, trade institutions, or the traditional explanation for the increasing uh, wage inequality to the wage inequality in the UK and the US. Particularly, my focus is to look whether immigration could have also affected the within group or the residual wage <coughs> inequality that represents the main um, part, the main component of wage inequality. And this also, this analysis also gives me the opportunity to look at how much different are migrants and natives in terms of wage inequality, if how much the wage inequality they experience differ. And so again, this is uh, also an indicator of the personal performance and the different living standards. So now understanding what are the sources and causes of within group residual inequality is quite difficult for many reasons, but first of all because there are many reasons why workers with the same level of education and experience could report different wages. One of the reasons could be that perhaps those workers have valuable but unobservable skills that are not usually captured by education and experience. Therefore, this could be related to school ability, personal uh, school quality, personal ability, effort, or any other um, unobservable skills. And also, uh, Ottaviano and Perry particularly, they pointed out that differences in the unobservable skills that are relevant in the labor market may, may explain, among other aspects, why immigrants and natives are not perfect substitutes. And as I said before, this is the main reason why there is a lack of uh, any effect or any negative effect on the increasing share of immigrants on the uh, wages of natives. So, just to, so there, there are many reasons that we can think about why immigrants or natives could differ in their unobservable skills that are irrelevant in the labor market. First of all, 
immigrants are a subgroup of particular population, so they have some motivation and tastes that could locate them separately apart from the natives. Also, the unobservable skills of migrants can be thought about a mixture of general skills that can be easily transported and therefore used in other countries, but also some country-specific skills that cannot be easily transported. Therefore, somehow they get uh, you know, lost when you move to different countries. And I'm referring to the personal connection, knowledge of the labor market, as well as language-specific communication skills. So what can be then the mechanism that I have in mind that could somehow link the increasing share of immigrants to the increasing share of the residual? So the idea is that when the share of immigrants in the labor force increases and therefore the, uh, the share of immigrants and also the uh, composition of the migrants is changing over time, this means that there would be more heterogeneity linked to the, those unobservable skills that will increase. And of course, this will increase mechanically the dispersion of the residual or the within group inequality. And in other words, what happens is that changes in the labor force or the immigration composition can mechanically raise or lower the residual earning dispersion simply by altering the share of employment that have, uh, of workers that have more or less dispersed earnings. So just to point out uh, this uh, um, idea of uh, how the, not for migration, but how the compositional changes can affect the residual has been developed and uh, analyzed by Thomas Lemier in an important contribution in 2006. And what it shows is actually that uh, the changing characteristics of the labor force have a mechanical um, force on the residual, so there is this increase of the residual due to this uh, increasing heterogeneity, so there is this mechanical for this spurious correlation. So what I do here is just to add this immigration dimension. Sorry to say, you're talking about the inequality among all workers so, in the economy, or are you separating out migrants? Uh, so, I'm, uh, so what I do in this analysis, I look at, first of all, what is the uh, effect of, to the overall, so the all workers, but then I also look at the wage inequality for migrants and natives, uh, so that you have you know, an idea of, uh, if there is difference. Um, I, I'll show you that there are quite a lot of differences. So just a brief a description of the econometric methodology. I will not go too much into details, but again, if you have questions during the presentation or afterwards, please do ask. So the first step is to run a, a usual OLS estimate of the hourly wage as a dependent variable. And dependent, independent variable are essentially the uh, human capital models variable, that is education and experience, quadratic in education, interaction terms. And also what I do, I run this analysis separately by year and also by gender and also by immigration status. And then the second step is to analyze the inequality in the residual. So I derive the residual of this first uh, OLS regression and then I measure the inequality in the residual. And the measure that we use is essentially the variance, and then the 1950 and the 50 10 gap. Now, just to point out why I'm referring to the 1950 and the 50 10 gap. So, the 1950 essentially captured workers who are located in the 
uh, upper part of the wage distribution, or in other words, the 1950 will capture the workers who are better off, so who are better paid, potentially the workers also that are better educated, while the 50-10 gap uh, uh, captures the workers who are located in the bottom part of the wage distribution, therefore workers who are worse off or usually uh, have a lower level of education. And I also will be giving a little bit of idea about you know, what are the trends and the effect of the 1950-50 gap, because one of the main trends of wage inequality for the UK and the US that has been uh, persistent in the, in the past decades has been an increase in the 1950 wage gap, as well as there has been a, a recently a decrease in the 50-10 gap. So those are the main measures that uh, have an important uh, trend that needs to be uh, analyzed. So after I look at the residual, what I do is to construct two counterfactual residual dispersion. So what do I mean for two counterfactual? So the first step, what I'll do is to hold the characteristic of workers fixed as the base year. And again, just for sake of information, this is what Thomas Lemire has been done for the uh, the US but not looking at immigration. So in this case what the way it worked out is that consider for example the first year of the sample which is in this case is 1994. In 1994 the share of workers with a low level of education was uh, lower and the share <coughs> of workers with a high level sorry the share of workers with a low level of education was higher and the share of workers with a high level of education was lower. So what I do is to hold the fix to uh, maintain the same characteristic of workers so that we consider that there has been no changes in the education. So say that the share of workers with a high level of education was the same as they were in 1994. And this is the first contact factor and this will tell me what is the uh, effect of the changes in composition of the labor force on the wage inequality. And the second step, what I do is to hold fix the share of migrants in the labor force at the base year. So the idea is the same. In 1994, the share of migrants in both the UK and the US was pretty low, about you know, 4 to 8%. And then what I do, I, I hold fix the share so that I can look through the whole distribution, through the whole evolution of wage inequality and see how much of this wage inequality that we observe in the residual can be attributed to the uh, changes in the share of uh, migrants over time. So I think this will be a little bit more clear later on when I look to the uh, different figures and tables. But this is essentially what I do. Can I, can I ask what yeah. migration status is? It's just UK born and foreign born or? So the, the, uh, the defined migrant is someone who was born outside the country. So we, they said it would be, uh, for the migration would be migrant or not migrant, okay? And so what I will do, so what do the counterfactual show? They will show what would have happened uh, to the dispersion of the residual if the share and the characteristic of migrants would remain the same at initial year. And I also look at you know, the last year of the sample where the share of workers, uh, of migrants in the labor force was higher. So I'm going to skip this because this is a little bit more technical, but I've summarized this and that in the previous slides. So this is essentially how to derive this 
counterfactual composition. So as I said, you know, if you have question or you know, you can ask me later on. Uh, but I don't want to go into technical aspects now. So what are the data I use for the US? I use the outgoing rotation group part of the current population survey for the UK the Labour Force Survey from 1994 to 2008. And so the, the advantages of using these two data set is that they are pretty similar. So they cover similar information on the labour force. So, so they are very uh, pretty comparable. And the description of the sample I use male and females. I always run the analysis separately between male and females, though I will show you the main result for male only just for the uh, time constraint. And I use workers in the labor force, that is from 16 to 64, and in full time and full year workers. So I use full time because if you include the part time, this will create automatically more variation in the wages. I only keep the analysis for only employed and consider only the wage for the main job because in few cases uh, workers have more than one job. And again, to keep the analysis consistent, I use the real hourly wage between one pound and one dollar and a hundred pound and a hundred dollars. So I use as a measure of the um, price for labor the real hourly wage. Okay, so this is the first figure. So this plots the standard deviation of low hourly wage for men from 1994 to 2008. So the uh, bottom panel represents the wage inequality represented in this case by the standard deviation of low hourly wage for the UK and the other one for the US. So what I do, um, I run the analysis from 1994 to 2008 on the vertical axis is reported the measure of wage inequality in this particular case is the standard deviation. So what are the, the main messages of this figure? First of all, as I said, I first look at the old workers. When I say old workers, I mean natives and migrants together to have an idea of what is the level and trend of wage inequality in that country, what is it that is increasing or not and that is represented by the plain red line for both countries, the US and the UK. And then what I do, I just separate out natives and immigrants so that I can look whether, first of all, what is the level and trends of wage inequality for immigrants with respect to natives, uh, but also this allows me to see whether not counting immigrants in the labor force has much uh, effect on the level and trends of wage inequality. So first of all, when we consider immigrants separated from natives, as we can see from both cases for the US and the UK, the level of wage inequality that migrants experience is much higher than it is for the natives. And this is true for both cases, but particularly for the UK, there is much more variation. And the other thing is that when we do not count migrants in the labor force, so we consider natives only, what happens is that the level of wage inequality decreases. I mean, it's not much. It's very, you know, a small part, particularly. This is particularly true for the UK, though the trend essentially remains. So what does it mean? In other words, it means that even though we do not count migrants in the labor force, what we observe in the level of the trends in wage inequality just looking at the standard deviation will not change much the, uh, the main trends and figures. 
So this uh, figure shows the shares of migrants in the UK and the US. Again, I'll show you only men. And also compare the share of migrants with the receipt of the 1950 receipt, which is the dispersion in the 1950 gap. So what is the main idea why I'm showing you this graph is because essentially we want to see whether there is any sort of relationship between the, those two trends, which is the, the share of migrants has been going up since 1994 in both the US and the UK. At the same time, wage inequality, particularly for workers located in the upper part of the wage distribution, has been going up again. Similarly, so the main idea is try to see whether there is any sort of relationship between those two trends or if migrants can somehow help to account for this increasing trend in the residual wage inequality. And also, as you can see, I mean, we are pretty aware now of the, what is the share of migrants in the UK, but in the US it's been always higher, a little bit higher so than it is in the, US, in the UK. Uh, though it has been in the UK, it has been growing a little bit faster than it was uh, in the US. So this table shows the educational attainment of natives and immigrants. In this case, I show you what is the level of education for natives, for immigrants, men and women separately. In this case, the because as you know, we were discussing before with Carlos. Uh, uh, it's not easy to create comparable variables because, of course, migrants uh, um, might have completed a level of education in their sending countries rather than the receiving countries. So what I do, I, to the, I define three different levels of education, which is the lower, intermediate, and higher. The lower corresponds to the compulsory schooling, and the advantages of comparing the UK and the US is that they are the schooling systems are pretty similar, so it's similar, um, it's better also to um, compare. So the lower level of education corresponds to 11 years of schooling. Intermediate level of education corresponds to any level of education which is more than compulsory schooling, but less than graduate or postgraduate, and this corresponds to 12 to 15 years of schooling. Higher corresponds to graduate or postgraduate and corresponds to 16 years of schooling or more. So what are the main uh, facts that we should look at in this table? So first of all, if we look at natives in the US, the share of workers, uh, native workers with a low level of education is very small, which is about 4, 5 and 4 percent respectively for men and women. And this, when we compare this with the immigrants in the, U in the US, so there is quite a big gap because I mean it's pretty well known that there is an important uh, share of uh, migrants in the US with a low level of education, though it's been uh, changing a bit over time. And this is particularly true for men, in the immigrants men in the US. Uh, when we look at the higher level of education, in both cases, uh, uh, both for natives and immigrants, uh, the share of workers with a high level of education has been increasing. and. It's pretty similar now, the share of workers, migrants, workers, women with a high level of education is pretty similar to the, those of um, natives, women. So in this case, um, immigrants, women with a high level of education in the UK and the US uh, correspond to 35%, while for the natives this corresponds to 36%, so there is no much difference, so meaning essentially that 
over time the uh, immigrant has been catching up uh, and so that there is no much difference between in the, sh the level of high level of education particularly. When we look at the UK, uh, the picture is slightly different. First of all, looking at low level of education for natives and compared both to the natives in the US and natives uh, and immigrants in the UK, the share of uh, natives uh, English people with a, a low level of education is much higher. So it's about you know, more or less one third, 27% and 31% for men and women in 2008. But when we look at uh, immigrants, the share of immigrants with a low level of education is much lower than it is for natives. And the most important uh, key fact to notice that about 50% of migrants, both for men and women in the UK, have a high level of education. And this is much higher compared to uh, natives. So this is what I meant at the beginning when I said that uh, migrants are nowadays uh, more educated than the previous migrants, but also more educated than the natives. Uh, I'm going to skip this. Okay, so this uh, figure plots the residual variance for all workers, natives and immigrants separately. Again, I will only show you some pictures for the men. So the red uh, plain line represent the residual variance for all workers, and which is you know when we consider men and women together. And again, what I do is to separate immigrants and natives and see how these differ. And so again, what is the main picture? The main picture, the main message is that for the U.S. there is a sort of convergence in the dispersion in the residual, which is the dispersion in the wage component, which is due to uh, for workers that have the same level of education and experience. So meaning essentially that there is more similarity in between migrants and natives, more or less from you know, uh, 2004, this is uh, almost overlapping. The situation for the UK is completely different. So particularly when we separate immigrants and natives, the level of the residual for immigrants is much higher. Uh, however, when we do not count immigrants in the, uh, the sample, which is all workers, what we can observe is that there is no much difference. So there is a little bit of decrease in the level, but the trends <coughs> remain, and this is very negligible. So the next figure shows you one of the main results about this counterfactual data I constructed. So again, this shows the residual variance for, in this case, for all workers, men in, for the US and the UK. So the red line represented actual residual variance for all workers. So in this case, I do not separate between migrants and natives just because I want to have you know, a broad idea, a broad picture of what's going on. And then what I do is, first of all, to construct this uh, counterfactual, which is given by the pink uh, dashed line, which is the distribution of skills at 1994. So what I do in this case, I hold the characteristic of workers fixed at 1994. So therefore, this pink line will tell me what would have been the dispersion in the residual had the level of education of the labor force remained the same in 1994. Or in other words, the composition effect 
that we can observe what is the effect of changes characteristic of the labor force on the residual is essentially due by the difference between the red line and the pink line. So there is an important uh, effect, meaning that the dispersion in the residual that we observe is essentially due to the increasing share, uh, the, the, the changing composition of the labor force, so the fact that there is, there is more heterogeneity, there are more in the same group of uh, education, there are workers with higher unobservable skills and lower unobservable skills, and this will cause uh, more dispersion. So the second uh, counterfactor that I construct is the, uh, the blue dashed line, which is the distribution of skills and the share of migrants hold the fix in 1994. So in this case, what I do, I hold the fix, I keep fixed the share of workers uh, or migrant workers in the labor force. Therefore, this line will tell me what would have happened the dispersion in the residual had the share of migrants in the labor force not increased. And so as you can see, there is no much uh, effect. So there is very small negligible effect in both the US, but this is true also for the UK. There is a little bit more by the end of the um, time period analyzed, but again, this is very small. So what does it mean if we can just draw a conclusion from this first slide, first uh, figure, essentially means that we can say that though there is a small effect of the increasing share of immigrants on the uh, wage dispersion, we, there is no uh, significant and high impact of the increasing share of immigrants on what we observe on the wage inequality. So similarly, this is a similar... Sorry, sorry, yeah. when you talk about significance here, since that is an eye test, what you're doing, is that the case, or is there any way to test for? Uh, no, no. I mean, I meant important. Yeah, yeah. I mean important. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, in this case, it's not. Uh, yeah, we find a way to work out what the significance. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, this picture, similarly as the previous one, but in this case, what I do, I hold fix the distribution of skills. Uh, and also the share of immigrants in 2008, which is when the share of migrants in the labor force was higher, and also the share of workers with a high level of education was higher. So similarly, the pink line again tells us what would have been the dispersion in the residual had the level of education remained the same as it was in 2008. And the blue line, dash the blue line, tells us what would have been the dispersion of the residual if the share of migrants in the US and the UK would have been the same as it was in 2008, which is about 13-14%. So there is a little bit more of the effect, but what dominates really is the compositional changes of the whole labor force. So looking at also, as I said, because uh, the 1950 gap along with the 50-10 gap uh, have been characterized by the higher increase. I also look at whether there is any effect of immigration, the increasing immigration on those two parts of the wage distribution. So this is the main result for men in the US. So in this case, first I look at all workers and then I look at the effect of immigration and the compositional changes on natives only. So when considering all workers, again, the pink line tell us 
what is the effect of changes of characteristic of the labor force. Therefore, the difference between the red and the pink line tell us what is the compositional effect. And then the uh, blue line tell us what would have been the 1950 residual gap if the share of workers would remain the same as, as it was in 1994. Now there is a little bit more of effect of the increasing share of immigrants, mainly because, as I show you in one of the previous uh, tables, the share of workers, uh, of migrant workers with a high level of education has been growing. So in the 1950 residual gap mainly captured those uh, workers. However, when we do not consider immigrants in the uh, sample, so we only look at natives. So in this case, what happens if we consider what is the effect of uh, increasing share of immigrants on wage inequality in the 1950 gap for natives only, as you can see there is almost an overlapping line, so there is almost no effect, so the main effect is essentially driven by the compositional changes. And similar picture is for the UK, uh, while there is even less effect when we consider all workers, a little bit more for the last years of the sample. And again, when we consider natives only, there is no effect. We cannot disentangle any effect of the increasing share of immigrants in the labor force affecting the 1950 residual um, inequality. And also, it's interesting and important also to look at workers located in the bottom part of the wage distribution, which is captured by the 50-10 residual gap, and similarly as before, I do hold the um, characteristic of the labor force fixed at 1994, and then also the characteristic of work of migrant work and the share of migrants at 1994. But again, there is not a very um, clear and uh, evident effect of migrants. A little bit, you know, during the 2000s for the U.S., but almost no effect for the UK, and uh, sorry, that was for the US for all the workers and natives, and similarly for the UK, there is almost no effect, and you can see that from the overlapping of the pink and the blue line for both natives and uh, all workers. So what are then the main conclusions, what can we learn from this exercise, from this paper. So first of all, this paper empirically addressed the question whether immigration in the UK and the US could have affected wage inequality between 1994 and 2008. The main results show that when the share of immigrants in the labor force is held fixed at the base year, the residual component decreasing, but very small uh, share, which is about 5 to 6% of the overall rise in wage inequality. However, we cannot say this is not really a causal effect. This is more due, this is more a mechanical effect linked to the changing characteristic of migrants, to the heterogeneity uh, of the composition of migrants. And immigrants, in any case, tend to have a higher wage inequality than natives. And this is particularly true for the UK. And because of this negligible effect of migration on the residual wage inequality, this increasing share of foreign-born workers should not be considered a public policy concept, which it is uh, nowadays. And that's it. Thank you.